Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornos Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Before we get going today, as always, I want to remind you, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts. Obviously, subscribe anywhere else you can get our podcast. And of course, as soon as you're done listening to this, go over to IndieCornrows.com. Check out our new articles. Caitlin's been putting out some great stuff. I'm going to try and get into writing. It's been difficult with school and everything. Um, I want to apologize really quick for just now getting this out today. This will probably be out in the mid-afternoon. On, uh, on Thursday, uh, I got really sick yesterday. Um, I ended up having to go and get get tested for COVID. I'm waiting on my results still, but I, uh, I crashed at like 7.30 or 8 last night. So I, uh, I did not have time to record this yesterday. So apologies that it's getting out late. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to do something a little bit different. You know, I, everyone's hitting on the Bjorkgren presser. I'll hit on that a little bit, um, but then also kind of Dive into some some other things because you've already heard all about the Bjorkgren presser. Man, that is going to be tough to get used to, but we are going to make it happen. Um, so obviously, looking at the Pacers hiring Nate Bjorkgren, if you did not watch the uh, the live stream yesterday uh, with the Kevin Pritchard and Nate Bjorkgren, you missed out. It was actually really, really uh, fun to watch is the wrong way to put it, but it was it was kind of exciting, kind of interesting. And again, I always mentioned that I, I try not to be a fan. It's more just trying to be objective. And it was cool because I really, you know, you watch these things a lot and you get the feeling that there's just a lot of PR speak. And there was yesterday, but I think there was a lot of realness and reality behind it. And it was cool just getting kind of the um, the minutia of, of why Kevin Pritchard hired Nate Bjorken and why he's excited about him moving forward. I thought that was um, really cool and interesting to see. Um, obviously, they talked about how, how they cast a wide net before. Um, it was also nice because Kevin Pritchard made sure when he started. The election is coming up, and I'll, I'll say that as well. Vote. Important to vote. Regardless who you're voting for, get your opinion heard and uh, do your thing. Um, so, you know, they talked a lot about risk management and not being risk averse with Kevin Pritchard directly stating that, um, they were going to praise the front office was going to praise risk taking and, and being willing to, to to change things up and and be um, be willing to make mistakes and and Bjorkren hit on that as well saying that um, he wants his players to believe that they can step on the court and make mistakes without being pulled and that they can learn through them um, and that it also most interesting too he said that he doesn't think there should be a set rotation which I kind of agree with you know I like the idea of being able to just kind of mix and match things and be versatile and, and throw different looks out there. Use every guy on the roster. Um, so you know those things kind of went hand in hand. Um, and it's it, it, it. I mean, it, I don't know. It was interesting. It just showed a lot of you know why new Nate is hired over uh, over over Coach McMillan um, after McMillan's firing, I should say, because um, obviously that was a staple of the Pacers was not being you know willing to take risks. So clearly things are are, are headed in a different direction. Um, the coach Bjorkren mentioned that he's already started working on building out a staff. He's already reached out to people and he's working closely with the front office in doing so. Um, so that's interesting as well. Uh, just knowing that the front office is playing a small part or I shouldn't say small. I don't know how, how big or small 
but they are playing a part in terms of the rest of the coaching staff being hired. Even more noteworthy, they talked to that Coach Bjorkman mentioned that he talked to Miles Turner um, the day that he was hired, and they had a, a, a decent conversation. It wasn't just like a hello, welcome to the Pacers, and and that's it. You know, they, they actually talked about things. Um, coach Bjorkman mentioned multiple times about you know the how he's excited to coach um, both Miles and Domas. I don't remember who asked the question in the presser yesterday, but they asked about. Um, you know, being willing to play those two guys together moving forward. And that was certainly hit upon by Coach Bjorkren. Um, how many times have I said Bjorkren in this podcast? It's going to continue. Um, also of note, he talked to Vic, and he said that Vic reached out first, was really welcoming, and it wasn't just, you know, some BS text message. Like, And, I'm not, again, this is not me trying to project, like, feelings or anything towards towards Vic or his, his what he's doing. This is just, you know, this is what happened. I mean – uh, he he actually talked to to, to Nate, and they, they had a lengthy conversation about him playing and, and being excited to play for Nate. And um, so that I you know I think that's pretty fruitful for sure, and that's something that we're going to talk about later in the podcast because that's um, important to look at. Uh, he seems extremely excited to coach TJ Warren again. He spoke really highly on TJ and, and the time he spent coaching him in the G League, and also with the Phoenix Suns. So that was cool, and I know TJ's been. Um, open on social media about his excitement for Coach Bjork to, to come in. Um, Victor Oladipo is also full go. He's ready to play. Uh, he started off his offseason regimen, Kevin Pritchard said. Um, Domas is doing well, according to Kevin as well. Um, discussed him playing in the national for his national team in Lithuania. Um, not sure that that's going to happen yet, but it's in discussion. Um, and they feel really good about where he's at uh, with his plantar fascia. So... You know, obviously, again, I don't, I don't think they're going to just come out and be like, oh, well, you know, they're not doing great. I mean, but it, it seems like uh, pretty, pretty good. Like, I, I don't think that there's anything bad with that. Um, also of note, the kind of last thing in terms of looking at the presser before we move on to something else, um, they had a Zoom meeting with the whole team, not yesterday, but the day before. Um, KP, so this was in response to, man, credit to Bob Kravitz, because I, you know, I mean, I wasn't part of the, I wasn't part of the media on the call yesterday, um, but just from, you know, being in those circles, man, this was, a, the, the, Bob Kravitz swung his, his, his bat, man, he was going all in, um, asked KP to, to speak on, on the record about all the rumors and stuff that have been swirling with Vic and, and where he's at with the Pacers, um, Mentioned that on the whole team meeting on Zoom, Vic was as positive as ever. Said directly, we have a great relationship, taking it a day at a time. We hear a lot of things, um, but have him for another year with the advantage to re-sign him. And as far as Pritchard's concerned, he's going to be there uh, and part of the Pacers moving forward. Um, so, you know, I think that was definitely interesting to hear. Uh, I still... He was, you could tell he was, this is not me trying to project things, but I mean, just in watching, you could tell KP was definitely trying to be careful with his words, which of course you're going to be when you're doing a press conference. How can you not be? Um, but I don't know. I think that's the only thing that I had kind of, uh, I don't want to say negative thoughts about with the press conference, but I think it definitely raised a lot of questions for me in terms of where the, the, the front office and um, just the organization as a whole is at with Vic. And, you know, there were some positive things, but I also think um, it's pretty uncertain still. You know, 
just with everything that has been coming out. And, you know, uh, I remember Caitlin and, uh, you know, talking to Tony East and everyone I've talked to, um, you know, Victor had that thing that uh, with his interview with Fat Joe and said that he can't control the rumors that are swirling around. And he, he could if he came out and said, I'm a pacer. I want to be here. I, I don't have any intentions of going anywhere else. And I guess, you know, he said that he's a pacer in that Fat Joe interview, but he really just if in, in looking at the whole thing, I don't know, man. Also, I, I still laugh every time I say interview with Fat Joe. That, that's just wild to me. Um, but overall, I just think that there's still enough there where you do have questions about the it, whether or not there's a divide there. And um, it's good to know that they have had communication uh, with the organization and Victor. Um, but there's still just a lot of questions left there. Um, so before we get into the next segment, uh, we are going to take a quick break. And then we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about Victor's uh, future with uh, with this, not just the organization, but with the coaching staff and, and front office and moving forward. Welcome back. So right away, one of the things that I'm looking at in terms of everything that went down yesterday, and you know, I was, I, I've been very much so on the train that this team's going to be active as all hell, uh, going after trades or just trying to restructure the team, um, over the off season. And I, I think that this provided a little bit more clarity that the team might be you know, kind of remaining intact moving forward. But again, I want to iterate that anything can change and anything might change very quickly. I mean, we went from not knowing if the Pacers would have a coach for a couple of weeks still to Nate Bjorkman being hired, you know, ASAP um, without him even being announced as one of the finalists by, by, by you know, a lot of different publications. So um, I just think it's important to iterate that, you know, we as much as we dive into this stuff and as much as we analyze it, we really don't know until it happens, unless there's some very clear writing on the wall. Um, so I think in looking at this, I'm going to do one of these talking about Miles moving forward. But um, I just want to talk about the realistic trades for Vic. And, and this is not me trying to, again, I'm not trying to speak trades into existence. I don't love doing this stuff. But um, I do think, you know, I've just seen so many ideas that come out about trades for Victor Oladipo from, from both sides. Uh, you know, I talked about this in my podcast with Caitlin and Tom. I think it's important to look at the things that actually might be semi-realistic, um, you know, and talking to some people who you know, cover the teams that, that he might be traded for. I mean, traded to um, and, and just trying to be objective because I think, you know, I, I want to hit on again. Trades are rarely going to be one sided. Um, I think that's important to look at. Uh, these front offices have to work with one another. Uh, otherwise, they don't have open avenues to, to make any kind of um business happen in the future. So I have um, listed out, I have five potential trades that I think are, are really the only ones that I can come up with that I think would, would really make sense or happen for both sides and, and not even make sense. Like I think so, there are like two of them that I, I'm not confident would actually happen. Um, but I do think, you know, there's, there's a lot to look at there. So the first trade, and again, I just want to reiterate, this is all hypothetical stuff. Victor might not even be traded, but I'm just looking at in terms of if he is, if there is a divide there, because I do think that there's enough to to kind of rec- like recognize that that maybe there is something there, you know. And, and again, it's not me trying to speak stuff into existence, but uh, I just think it's important to look at. And in terms of like you know just seeing these trades that I don't think would be at all realistic. So here are the trades that I do think are realistic, or would make sense for both sides. I think when I say realistic, I mean there's there's a likely not even likeliness, but like I think both sides would have something to gain from it, and that's where it counts. 
Um, so number one, uh, one of my favorites that I, I am very on board with if the Pacers were forced to make a move with Victor. Um, from Phoenix, uh, Oubre and the 10th pick, I mean, Kelly Oubre and the 10th pick for Victor Oladipo. Um, so why would the Pacers do this? Well, I think if you acquire a guy like Kelly Oubre, he's multi-positional, he can play defense. He's not a great defender yet, but he tries. He has the ability to, to be a good defender if, you know, in a proper scheme and uh, with some more coaching, I think that he can really improve on that end. Um, he's coming off an injury, so I think there's maybe a little bit there for the Phoenix to, to be like, okay, well, we're, we're thinking about moving him. Um, and he's on an expiring deal. Also, the Suns have kind of a collection of talent all strewn across three and four, um, the three and four spot where it's a little murky. Like Mikhail Bridges was playing the four a lot in the bubble. Shouldn't be playing the four. I mean, he does a three. Uh, he can play the four for stretches, but like as a starting four, you need somebody who's a little bit, um, you, you need somebody different next to DeAndre. And at least in talking to some people from Phoenix, that's kind of their thought. And, and my thought as well, I just think overall, he's not big enough to guard big fours. He's obviously an incredible wing defender, but not really a guy who you look at as a prototypical stretch for. Um, so, I mean, obviously, Ubre makes a lot of sense because he can he could be somebody who plays the three. And I talked about this on a pod not that long ago um, in terms of TJ Warren getting mismatches at the four and having the opportunities to play there. Um, if you can actually kick TJ Warren up to the four, I mean, Kelly Ubre is a guy who's good enough with the ball in his hands, good enough shooter. Um, though not a great shooter, I do think he could be better. Um, but I mean, he can do stuff off the bounce and that makes it harder for him to be guarded by four. So you maybe force more, uh, more of TJ Warren getting, uh, getting, having, drawing the four on him. Gosh, I can't speak today. Um, and also the 10th pick is obviously really quality. I think, um, again, this is not like a huge draft, in terms of ability, at least in the top end, I think there's a lot of stuff in the bottom end that that's exciting. Um, and we could be wrong on that in a year or two. Like maybe there is a lot of top end talent and we just don't realize it yet. Um, so I think Phoenix would be looking to do this just because Victor, um, I do think this makes more sense for the Pacers, but I have seen, you know, a, a lot of people I know in Phoenix have thrown this trade at me before. Um, I mean, I guess Victor just gives you a guy who um, you're, you're maybe – Going a little bit more in for it, if you're Phoenix, you think that that you can win um, this next upcoming year. And if Victor's able to recoup some of his value um, and you decide to re-sign him, I mean, it's not like Phoenix can't be a free agent destination, but for the most part, Phoenix hasn't, it, much like Indiana, um, it hasn't been a huge free agent destination um, of late. I think part of that's due to them being just a poor organization overall until the last year or so, but um so I think there's a little bit there for each team. Um, but the to me, the one thing that just would be murky is, um, I mean, would you assume Vic's running point next to Booker? Or how does that work with Ricky Rubio there? To me, that's murky. I mean, you could run a three-man backcourt, but I don't know. I think that's weird. Um, it's just a weird, awkward fit, especially considering Rubio is not like a great floor space or Vic's not um, a great catch-and-shoot guy. So I, I, don't, I just don't know how that would necessarily work, but... Um, overall, I think that's one trade that you can look at and be like, okay, I see merits for both sides. And it, may, it makes sense monetarily. Um, I know technically uh, the Suns would be acquiring like, I think, six extra million dollars because Ubre is on like about 15 mil on his contract. Victor is obviously 21. So 
um, the Pacers could be, you know, asked to, to, to bring back a poor contract. Like so one guy I've seen mentioned was Ty Jerome. I would really hope the Pacers don't have to take him back because I just don't think he's an NBA athlete. Um, I think he has skills, but he, he doesn't have the, uh, the real ability to, to, to make it happen without the athleticism. Um, so moving into my second trade that I think makes some sense uh, is, and this is one that Eric Pincus mentioned a little bit. He didn't you know, necessarily mention who would get traded, but um, his, for the, between the Hawks and Pacers, Victor Oladipo for one of DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and presumably Dwayne Dedman back as a kind of cap filler. And I personally, when I look at this, all right, so I know there's the idea that you could get back the Hawks draft pick, right? I don't think so. Um, I think Cam Reddish, uh, maybe, okay, if you trade for DeAndre Hunter, who is probably not quite the prospect Cam Reddish is, I think he's still a really good player. He has a lot of potential, uh, but he's, I believe, three years older than Reddish. He played all four years at Virginia, or he played three years at Virginia, or it might have been all four. I can't remember. Um, but obviously, Reddish was a one and done. He had a really awesome showing to close out his rookie year. It really progressed from being one of the worst players in the NBA to showing a lot of potential. Um, so I think that would be interesting in, in the fact that, I mean, Dwayne Demon, I guess you consider him a serviceable backup, although I don't love that for Goga. I would hope Goga still gets run over him, but I, I don't know. Um, I think that would obviously just depend on the coaching staff. Um, but with with Hunter, uh, Hunter, you get a guy who's maybe you can bank on him, you know, being more and not more. I mean, he's an NBA-ready player, but him developing more as kind of a 3-4 guy who can do some things on offense, uh, be a quality defender, um, and, and kind of boost your, your floor right now. But then if you look at Cam Reddish, I think Cam Reddish is still, I don't want to call him a project because that has a bad connotation, but there is a lot there that he has to work on still in terms of becoming a better defender, which he has the capability to be a very good defender. Um, he, you know, I, I don't know how much his on-ball is going to translate because he's uh, he's got some skill on-ball, but it's very inconsistent. And, I mean, the double spin move is just uh, – it's killer, man. I don't know. He stopped doing that towards the end of the year, but I always love bringing that up because it's one of my favorite memes from last year. Um, but I think Reddish has the potential to be like a multi-time all-star guy. Uh, and that's not – you know, I'm not just throwing that around lightly. Like he's a very, very good player. So I think if you could get – Hunter would be nice, but you would maybe expect draft capital back with that. I think if you get Reddish, I don't think you do. Um, so why would the Hawks do this? Well, Eric Pincus mentioned it when we were talking uh, about how the Hawks could actually go over in, you know, they, they could re-sign Victor uh, on an extension because they are under the cap. They're the only team that can do that, I believe, uh, because of how far under the cap they are, which, you know, that would be A, enticing for Vic and B, enticing for them. They get a guy next to Trey, who actually would kind of make some sense. You know, I think if you if Victor is able to return to his ability on ball and do more with the ball in his hands, you can get Trey running off ball. And Trey is rarely getting the opportunity to run off ball, um, considering, a, I mean, they're a very heliocentric offense that's completely built around him. But I think if you want the ideal offense in Atlanta, you probably have Trey off ball more. You know, just getting him more opportunities as a spot-up guy coming off screens, just getting him easier shots because the shots he has to take are so difficult. Um, so I think there's a lot of in, like, and also I think, you know, that would show Travis Schlank in the, the, the front office showing um, Trey Young that they're willing to put talent around him. Obviously they went and they made the Capella trade 
if they make a trade for Vic, I mean, I think they're probably a playoff team, like close to it. If 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 Capella and Vic are healthy and you have some positive growth from whichever wing is left that that isn't traded for, um, and you expect, I mean, Trey maybe improves his efficiency even more. Uh, hopefully, takes a step as a defender. Um, their bench would be better. I mean, that's that's probably a playoff team in the East. Um, I would take them over Orlando, uh, especially with Jonathan Isaac out. So. I, I do think there are merits to both sides in that. I, I would really like that for the Pacers, although I do think um, you maybe lose a little bit of your winnability right now. You know, you don't get back a guy who's going to be ready to contribute right away at a high level, but you get the potential for two or three years down the road. You have an incredible, incredible basketball player. So I think for, to me, this might be my favorite trade just because um, I think that there's a lot there that the Pacers could benefit from. But also then it brings into question, well, okay, TJ Warren is 27. Malcolm Brogdon is 28. Um, Age-wise, it's just a little bit wonky. You're kind of like, well, okay, Cam Reddish is what, like 19, 20 right now. So he's going to be, you know, when he's coming into his own a little bit, everybody on the roster can be a little bit older. So that makes things a little bit murkier. Obviously, Domas is only 24, and he's on contract for a while still. Uh, Miles Turner is only 24. Um but I don't know. I think that there's there's merit there. It just makes things a little bit weird timeline-wise. So for my third trade, Victor Oladipo for Jarrett Culver and James Johnson. I don't love this one. Um, I have seen people say that the Pacers should trade Victor for number one and Jarrett Culver. I don't understand at all why the Timberwolves would do that. Um, and obviously, you're getting James Johnson back in that too. I, I just don't at all see why the Timberwolves would trade the number one pick plus the guy who was a top five pick for them last year. Um, or top, I think, I think Calder was top five. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember their exact draft position, but I'm pretty sure it was top five. But, I mean, why would you, uh, I, I just don't understand why a young team like Minnesota trades both of those for Victor, um, even for anybody. I mean, you could make arguments for any, for, for people who probably wouldn't get traded, that that, you, that would be enough to trade um, and warrant that those guys are coming back, but Culver's still a project as a player, really struggled at the free throw line, like shot 47%. He's not a three-point shooter yet. Um, he can do some things as a playmaker. He's going to be a very good defender. He's already shown some ability there. Um, I like him as a long-term prospect, but like, I, I just don't, I, to me, it just doesn't make sense for a young team like Minnesota, which I guess they're not that young because D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are both, what, like 25, um, and they want to win soon i don't think they're going to win right away i don't think there are any moves that are going to make them win right away um victor would be kind of a weird fit on that team because d'angelo russell really thrives with the ball in his hands i mean he can do some stuff off ball um i mean he's a good off ball player but i I mean i guess you you look at vic and you're like okay well i mean he could play next to him and be a quality defender if he's healthy well then what happens with malik beasley because i don't really think you can play all three of those guys and a backcourt together. Um, I mean, unless you're assuming Beasley's coming off the bench, but Beasley is like, I mean, he's going to get paid like a guy who's going to be a starter. So I don't understand that at all. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest thing for Minnesota would just be that they acquire more talent right away, you know? And so I would get that. Um, If the Pacers could get a guy like Jarrett Culver, that's intriguing. I mean, James Johnson would be a contributor. He'll he'll be um, coming off the books uh, as, I mean, he's an expiring this upcoming year, I believe. Um, so that's nice. I mean, he could definitely factor in the rotation. Um, I don't know. I'm not super in love with that trade. Um, but there, there's, I guess, something to look at there. Um, 
Fourth trade, Victor Oladipo and Doug McDermott for Andrew Wiggins and the second overall pick from Golden State. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what I think about this one. Um, it's difficult because Andrew Wiggins probably had the best season of his career last year. He really, for about 15 to 20 games there, he looked like a completely different player. You know, he was taking more threes. He was cutting out some of the mid-range crap. He was more attentive on defense. Um, he was getting to the line more. All stuff that he struggled with in his career. He's still only 25. I think he's only 25, 24, 25, which is crazy to think about how long he's been in the league. Um, and he, as much as the contract sucks and he's not, for the most part, an efficient player, he's not a great player by any means, but I mean, Andrew Wiggins is still a good player. Um, there's still a lot there to, um, to look at and be like, okay, that's a good basketball player. Like he's a good basketball player. Um, but I think the problem would be, you know, his fit next to guys. Can he be a guy who thrives off ball? Um, can he be a guy who really buys in on defense? Um, those are things that we're still, we still have a lot of questions about with Andrew Wiggins and maybe we'll see in, in Golden State this year. Um, I mean, for Golden State, I guess it would make sense because you could technically move Clay to the three and you have Vic at the two and um, you're not really worried about Wiggins and his contract and they could hypothetically think about whether or not they re-sign Vic and there's just a lot there that they could look at. And I think a lot of the reason for why the number two pick would come to the Pacers is because they're getting off of Wiggins' contract, which I think would be really tantalizing for Golden State. I don't think it's a perfect trade for either sides by any means. But also at the same time, like what is Golden State getting uh, with what they have? They can't really trade. I mean, I'd be surprised if they traded Draymond, um, which I guess he'd be kind of the odd man out in their core if they were to trade somebody um, just because he hasn't been as good as – you know, Steph and Clay, obviously. But I still think if he's really locked in and motivated, he's going to be a top 50 player. He's still going to be an all-defense level guy. Um, obviously, the offense has fallen off. But, um, I mean, if you get Vic on that team, I still don't know how it works off ball, but I think maybe you're relying on him to be a secondary ball handler more and you're getting Steph and Clay off ball and, and Vic's making things happen. I think there's sense for that. For that. Um, Doug would be more reason for them to actually trade the number two pick. Doug would be a great fit in Golden State's system coming off their bench, um, which that would, I mean, as much as I don't want to trade Doug, because I think Doug is such a good player for this team, even with his issues in the playoffs, just imagine Doug in Golden State. Oh my God. Getting some of the open shots he would just flying off screens, getting way more action for him, which I think could happen for him in, in, in Indiana this year. Um, but I, I do think that there's merit to that. And you wonder, okay, well, what can happen with Andrew Wiggins in in, in Indiana? Can he become uh, a more rounded player? Can he become uh, a better guy without the ball in his hands? Can he really develop himself? And I, I don't – I think part of it's – look at it like this. You know, I remember talking with somebody about this forever ago, it seems like. If Andrew Wiggins was taken with the seventh or eighth pick instead of the first overall – we have much different thoughts and feelings about him as a player. And I, I know he still has a lot of warts in his game. But, like, again, I just want to iterate. He's a good player. And I, I know it's easy to, to look at the things that he does poorly in his contract and be like, oh, he sucks. Like, why would we want him? There's stuff there, you know. And, I, again, I probably sound like uh, every coach who's been in Minnesota who thinks that they can change Andrew Wiggins or Glenn Taylor begging him to – like, you know, forcing him at his word before he signs a contract that he's going to play differently. I will never get over that. That is one of the funniest things. If you don't know about that, look it up or hit me in my DMs because it's hilarious, but also kind of really cathartic and messed up. Um, but, yeah, I, I 
personally, I don't think it's terrible. Um, roast me for that if you would like. Um, but it, I mean, the second overall pick, crap. I mean, you could maybe you could even trade that. Maybe uh, you obviously you could take a player who ends up being really quality. I I don't know what that does for your team in the moment, but I just think. It, getting a, a pick like that, which the Pacers have not picked that even remotely close to that high since they picked Paul George at ten, um, that's exciting. I don't know. Maybe I'm too. I'm not a guy who's overly enamored with the draft personally, um, because I like known commodities, and it's ha- it's hard to justify like, oh well, I'm going to trade this guy who I know what he can do, uh, to for a guy who I have no idea what he can do yet. Like I've seen what he can do, but I don't know what he's going to do on an NBA court. So it brings up questions. Um, but I, I think this is one of the trades that makes more sense to me as, and something that both teams would that maybe both teams would be willing to do. I don't know. It's not perfect. But again, nothing is ever going to be perfect in basketball, in in life, in anything. I think so many times we uh, prepare for our A plus or, or or A plans and we're lucky if our B plus plan comes through because, you know, there's a lot more going on than just our own stuff. There are 30 teams including the Pacers. 29 other teams are trying to make their A-plus plan happen. Uh, a lot of times, somebody's A-plus plan is going to be intermingled with eight other teams. So it's just not going to happen, you know? And um, so I think that's a very realistic trade that that could happen if if things do go south. Um, but the, that's just one to think about. And lastly, the one that always gets brought up, um, you know, I hadn't, obviously those other ones had been brought up to an extent, but I just wanted to hit on them. Uh, Victor Oladipo for Karis LeVert. Um, personally, I don't think Brooklyn would do this. Um, Karis LeVert and Victor, well, they have different games. They're, I mean, I don't want to say that they're similar because they do very different things. But like in terms of their fit on that team, I think that there's some similarity. I mean, I guess you could hope that Victor is a better defensive player for them. Um, I'm, I mean, he would be. Then I mean, Karis LeVert's a fine. He's like a, probably an average defender. Um, but I mean, he still would have the same problems as an off-ball player. Well, Kyrie and, and KD are definitely going to have the ball in their hands. Um, I mean, you could maybe try and justify that that they're going to be used off-ball. Uh, off but I think you still look at, okay, well, it's just a wonky fit. I th- you, you look at, if they're, if they're getting a third guy, you look at somebody who's going to be a great shooter, um, maybe a solid defender. Like, I mean, obviously, it's easy to just say Clay Thompson, but like that's Golden State's, I mean, he was their second option pre-KD, but... I mean, that's that's the kind of guy you look at in terms of somebody's going to play next to Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So I mean, I guess Vic could make sense for them, but really, Karis LeVert can probably do more for them in running their second unit and um, just being a, a cutter in their offense. Uh, again, he's not a good catch and shoot player; is much better shooting off the dribble as a three point shooter, which is so weird because um, it's a much tougher shot. But he's good at it. Um, and I don't know. I just personally, if I'm Brooklyn, I wouldn't trade Karis LeVert straight up for for Vic. Um, cause you're trading a guy who has health, has notable health problems, but he's on a smaller contract than Vic's probably going to get, um, or thinks he's going to get at least, I don't know what he's going to end up getting. Uh, but then you'd be trading for Victor who is older, has had more severe health problems and hasn't really shown any of the stuff that Karis LeVert has over the past two years. So I don't know. I don't, that's one that I just, I, not to be mean and poke holes, but I think there, I would poke holes in that. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like almost the Pacers would have to attach something to make that trade happen. I, I don't know if they would do Levert straight up, but that's that's just my thinking on that. Um, but outside these five trades, I really, 
I don't know. I spent a couple hours just like pouring over some trades that people had sent me or that I'd seen on Twitter and, um, you know, going through the cap sheets and, and, and trade NBA to, to see what works and, and what doesn't. And, um, and then just trying to think logically in my head, like, okay, would, would this team do it? I know the Pacers would because they get off Vic and they get a better player, but why would the other team do that? So I think that overall, this is just an exercise. And when we're looking at trades, there's two sides to every trade. And um, I think that's always important to keep in mind because I just think, A, trades are not – it's not like they – obviously they happen, but three-teamers almost never happen. Three-teamers are not realistic uh, to come up with most of the time because um, you never know who the third team's going to be. It could always be just something random. Um, but overall, I mean, there's just in looking at the potential trades for Victor, there's stuff there, but it's not as much as I think we've maybe been putting out that there is. Um, so it's, again, I want to iterate. I, I, I hope things work out and, and he doesn't have to get traded and, um, maybe he's able to recoup his value with the Pacers and he stays here and, um, the things work out great with coach Bjorkren coaching Vic and, and Vic's able to make things work with this roster. Um, but again, we'll see. I think there's so much in the air uh, that I have no idea about. Um, but I, I'm, I'm confident that Kevin Pritchard in the front office and, and, and Nate Bjorkman and the staff he assembles are going to make a really fun, competitive team to watch. And I'm excited to cover them and analyze them. So uh, to everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, of course, be, be sure to shoot me any questions, comments, thoughts, on, uh, on Twitter, down below, on uh, Indie Cornrows, whenever I get this podcast up. And uh, just have a good rest of your day and go Pacers.